This is Kevin Lavelle, and you're listening to Founders 15. You know what the world needs? Another business podcast. Well, actually, maybe it does. See, I've listened to a lot of podcasts, many of which were truly great. I learned a lot and had takeaways that changed my business or personal life. But I often noticed there was no commonality between the interviews as they were wide-ranging, so it was harder to tease out themes between them. I launched Mizzen in Maine to bring advanced performance fabrics to traditional menswear. So just like deciding the world needed a better dress shirt when everyone said it was crazy, I decided to launch Founders 15. Founders 15 is a unique new discussion experience distinct in three specific ways. The conversations will be founder to founder, eliciting an enlightening back and forth of two people with an overlap rarely found in other interviews. In my position as founder of Mizzen in Maine, I've gotten to have extraordinary conversations with other founders, and I know that there are takeaways that a lot of people would benefit from. So episodes will also feature the same 15 main questions in each podcast, helping bring a continuity to these discussions with appropriate probing on key themes as they develop throughout the interview. Perhaps most distinctively, I'm focused primarily on founders building something right now, and not just the billion dollar unicorns that get the headlines every day. These interviews feature real people building real businesses today. Business titans from years ago offer much to learn from, but my focus is on those in the heart of their journey to build something great. To keep things particularly interesting, I'll also be interviewing a few well-known athletes and coaches, founders in their own right, to gain additional insight and inspiration as to what it takes to achieve greatness. Would love to hear any feedback anytime. I'm on Twitter at Kevin S. Lavelle, and I hope you enjoy these conversations as much as I've enjoyed having them. Bryce Goldman grew up in the family business and the beauty industry, but struck off in a particularly unique way. Watching coconut oil take over the food and beverage industry, an idea hit him as he learned about all the benefits of coconuts and coconut oil for the skin. He and a few others launched Kopari Beauty just over three years ago and have taken the beauty world by storm. They are a digitally native vertical brand, but also are carried in over 2,000 locations, including Sephora and Ulta. Bryce and I have swapped stories for years, and we went a little deeper on some today, including how his company culture started to slip away and how they recovered from it, how they launched a revolutionary new product category that has come to be a huge part of their business just recently, and some of the struggles of transitioning out of his family business. Bryce isn't big on Instagram personally, so please say hi to Bryce and his team at Kopari Beauty on Instagram, and check out the magic of coconut oil for yourself. It's an office-wide favorite here at Mizzen in Maine. Bryce, I am really happy to be recording this episode with you. We got to spend a couple great days together a few weeks ago for our CEO retreat and uh, excited to dig a little bit deeper in this form. Yeah, Kevin, thank you. The feelings uh, mutual. Happy to uh, have been invited and, and uh, really excited about uh, the work you're doing with the podcast. And yeah, it was fantastic to, uh, to have you and, and the rest of the uh, Catterton folks in, in my hometown uh, for a couple of days. That was, that was fantastic. Yeah. Getting to do a, um, CEO retreat in, uh, in Southern California is, is a great thing, especially cause there are, you know, a bunch of businesses that are based there. So it's really cool to see what you guys see, what you guys are doing there. And so speaking of, um, for those who aren't yet familiar with, uh, yourself or Kapari, can you give a little bit of context in your background and, um, kind of set the stage for people on the type of business that you run. We'll, we'll get into the business history in a minute, but just sure. so people have perspective. Uh, yeah, so Kapari is a uh, digitally native, coconut-based natural beauty brand. Um, we're, we're, we just celebrated actually two weeks ago. Um, our third year since launch, um, we are headquartered in San Diego, California, and uh, I run the business with uh, my wife as a co-founder, another uh, gal that we were introduced to while we were developing the brand, and then a a good friend and college classmate of mine, James Brennan. Um, So currently, our split is about 60% uh, direct-to-consumer e-commerce and and 40% uh, retail. We're, We're distributed in 
just over 2,000 store locations in uh, Sephora, uh, who's got 350 some odd stores now, um, Ulta, who's got 1,100, and, uh, and we're also distributed in 4550 um, uh, Nordstrom doors as well as well. And then we're in some, some spas and, and hospitality and resort locations as well. And for those unfamiliar with your product, you said coconut beauty. What in the world does that mean? Great question. So, um, you know, the, the inspiration for the brand on, on, on the product and formulation side um, was, came from, from coconut oil. Um, you know, just a little background on how the brand came to be. I, again, I've, I've been in the uh, personal care and, and beauty space essentially my entire life. I'm actually third generation in the industry. Um, <clears throat> my, my grandfather started um, what is still my family's business in the, in the late 50s and 60 plus years later. Um, you know, the business has evolved in kind of an interesting hybrid of retail stores, salons, and then a wholesale business. And uh, so I, I was involved in this business literally from the time I was in middle school, worked on and off, you know, during the summers in, in high school. And um, after college, jumped in, you know, full time and enjoyed running that business and, and enjoyed the retail and wholesale kind of side of the industry, but but always had an interest and, and a passion for, for product development and, and branding. And, and so was always on the lookout for, you know, the right ingredient or concept to build around. And, and, and again, back to coconut oil discovered it um, during its surge in, in popularity in the food and beverage space um, six or seven years ago. It was kind of like a bum rush of, of like coconut oil, coconut water, and all these products that entered that space at the time. And, um, I started to read and, and hear and understand a lot about the, the skin and hair benefits of, of coconut oil. And, um, you know, this was my sort of light bulb or aha moment um, when I realized nobody was really doing anything with it. I mean, you've got, you've got this fantastic, you know, natural and, and versatile ingredient um, from, you know, from which to, to formulate amazing products around. And, and also felt that there was a really kind of cool and interesting you know, story and, and kind of brand aesthetic that you could build around, around coconut and, and everything that your mind kind of conjures up when you, when you think about it. Um, you know, sort of a, a serendipitous irony here was, was growing up as a kid, you know, in San Diego, I, I discovered surfing at a really young age and, um, you know, have, have always kind of been part of that culture and that industry and, and felt that, um, you know, there was something about that, that vibe and aesthetic that existed in that space that would translate kind of nicely into, you know, a lifestyle beauty brand. And, um, you know, these, these different inspirations kind of led to, to what the brand is today. So that's a, that's a perfect hopping off point. Um, talk about, you have this idea for, okay, coconuts are coconut oil, coconut, everything is going crazy in food and beverage. And I think mm -hmm. if anyone's paying attention to the consumer goods world, we all remember that. You have the idea, and and fortunately for you, you have some background, so that's not a it's not a total start from scratch. But how did you go from we should consider using coconut and beauty to your first prototype? And then once you had your first prototype, what was it that made you say we should go start this company and and talk about some of those stages in between? I think that's a particularly interesting time to focus on a founder's journey. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, I I, I think. You know, when when the idea was was spawned, I, I, I felt really strongly about it. Um, <clears throat> but as you mentioned, was, you know, was was had a day job at the time. Right. And, and not only just a day job, but but running a, a business with with my family. And um, so so had very little bandwidth or, or time to really do anything about it. I just I just knew I had something that was interesting. Um, so drove my wife, you know, kind of crazy for a, a year or two talking about the idea and the concept and trying to figure out how to get it going. And, and um, you know, it wasn't until all three of our kids were, were in school full time that she came to me and was like, look, I'm, you know, sick of hearing you talk about this thing. Like <laughs> you, you, you believe in it. I certainly believe in it. Um, she's actually, we're, we're kind of natural product junkies too. And, and, you know, felt like that was a space that, that, um, 
you know, that we would do well in. And so, you know, her, she came to me and was like, look, I know you're busy, but, but tell me what I need to do to go help us get this thing off the ground. And, and so, um, you know, she, she left me very little choice, uh, in the matter. So I, I took her up wholeheartedly on it and, you know, we jumped in with both feet and, and started to meet with, um, you know, chemists and product developers, um, formula fill houses, packaging companies, branding agencies, et cetera. And, um, you know, just to get an idea for, for what we needed to do to get this thing off the ground and, and scrap together a, a, a business plan and um, brought it to uh, a, a college classmate and, and um, of ours who, who became kind of a serial entrepreneur. He, he was in the hospitality and, and uh, restaurant space, um, sold that business, and then uh, started a uh, cold-pressed juice company called Suja, um, who has had a really nice run. They actually just sold to Coke. And, you know, brought the idea to him. He loved the sounds of it. We, we both wrote checks, uh, you know, to get the business off the ground and, and started formulating with this chemist who he's actually down here in Southern California and has been, has been formulating beauty products for 20 some odd years and uh, believed in what we were trying to accomplish, started, started cranking out some sample formulas for us. And, and once we tested those and realized that, that they were, you know, fantastic and, and that we had something, that was, that was when, you know, we decided to go into business together and, and get this thing off the ground. And it, how different was the process of taking something that's coconut based in, and making that product versus what you were used to doing in other areas of beauty? Uh, completely different. Um, you know, great question. You know, it's, it's, it's interesting. There were so many people that were like, oh, this is just a natural fit for you. you you've been in the industry for all these years. Um, it's easy, but, right? Did anyone tell oh, you? Oh, yeah, it's easy. yeah. Just, just plug it right in, right? And um, what I came to realize very quickly was that all of the experience I had, um, you know, was, was of very little value <laughs> where it came to manufacturing products and, and under, you know, better understanding how supply chain worked and, and, and how branding worked. And, you know, one other, you know, interesting decision that we made was that we, we, we really wanted to take this thing to market digitally. And my background was in brick and mortar and traditional wholesale distribution. Um, so, you know, you'd think anybody with any rationale would just, again, plug into some of that experience that they already knew. But we, we decided to pivot into a completely different direction and, um, and launch the brand digitally. And, and, you know, our first hire actually had zero CPG or beauty industry background. She was, she was 100% digital. It worked for a couple of agencies and, um, you know, helped us kind of come in and understand how we could do that and built, the, uh, built sort of our, our blueprint, if you will, uh, to get it off the ground. And so you get ready to go when it comes time to launch. Do you have the idea of being this om very successful omnichannel retailer? Did you think, no, we're only going to start digital? What, what was the, how did you think about um, the strategy? Obviously, you're, you're just at three, which is extraordinary, which you've built in three years. But um, what was the thought on launch as to how you would primarily sell or um, what were your hopes back then? Yeah, I, I think that, um, you know, there were a, a couple of, of um, you know, instances at play here that, that kind of led us to launching direct-to-consumer um, versus, versus into wholesale and retail. One, you know, uh, you know, coming from that, I definitely started to see some transition in, in, in our space and some red flags around brick-and-mortar and, and traditional distribution. Um, you know, the other was we, we had at the time, um, through again, my business partner, some visibility into <clears throat> a couple of other, uh, brands. One of them was, was movement watch. And one other that, that, uh, we're, we're seeing a lot of success, uh, via Facebook advertising. And, um, so, so, you know, spent some time understanding and, and learning what that was about. And, um, you know, essentially we decided to lean into that and, and what you used, what little resources and capital we had to, to kind of go out and create the content we needed to create to, to, to kind of take it to market, both, both via paid social and paid digital. Um, you know, we got our, our, our social channels 
up and cranking. We actually paid like a couple of minor influencers um, early days just just to at least look like we had you know a substantial social channel. Yeah, and uh, you know, I mean, we we and, and I'm sure you can attest to this a little bit, Kevin. I mean, we 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 had the content, we had the ads, we knew what we needed to say about the products, and mm-hmm. kind of just flipped the switch, turned it on and, and waited, um, to see whether it was going to resonate. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, it, it took some time and that was a stressful period because, you know, you're, you're, you're kind of burning through ad spend dollars and, and again, adjusting and, and, and tweaking along the way to make sure that everything you're doing is optimized. And, um, you know, it, 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 it took quite a bit of time before we start to see that started to see that prove out, but, but it was, it was amazing. We, we literally, you know, went from doing like two, three, four hundred dollar days um, to three, four thousand dollar days in the matter of like, you know, a, a two or three day period, which which was That's awesome. inc- it was incredible. Yeah, That's- it was amazing. So, yeah, I mean, back to your question about, you know, the distribution channels that we wanted to play in. I mean, I, I, early days, our, our plan was really just to be there. And then and then the retail kind of came down the line. Yeah. So um, let's let's move forward for a second and talk about you're three years in. You've built this company, obviously, a lot of very early success, which you know, quote unquote, must be easy overnight, et cetera, et cetera. But yeah. you've built something great in a short period of time. How many team members do you have? And talk a little bit about how you define your culture and and what you do to defend that every day. Uh, I, I love that you asked this question, especially of, of, of you know, early stage companies in, in this hyper growth mode. Um, we currently uh, have 30 employees uh, okay. in, in-house. We've, we've got some independent contractors that, that support, um, you know, a lot of our retail business out there. Um, but, uh, you know, c- coming again from, from a family run business, kind of a legacy family run business that had you know, really, a really strong kind of mom and cop, mom and pop style culture yep. um, in it. And actually that company still has employees that have been on board for over 20 years. And wow. so, so really understood the, the importance of that and, and was excited to, to implement my version of it into Kapari. So, you know, early days, right out of the gates, um, implemented all the traditional startup stuff that you do, right? I mean, we were signing up for rec sports leagues and happy hours and, you know, doing, you know, we did regular beach barbecues and all, all these things that, um, out of the gates, you know, really felt great. And I think helped us establish, you know, that culture in the early days. Um, but, you know, as, as, as time went on and, and we got into kind of this hyper growth mode and went from, you know, I think we were at eight or 10 employees to 24 in the span of like 14 months. Yep. Um, you know, I, I admittedly kind of took my eye off of that ball and, and, you know, cultivating and, and defending our culture just slipped down the priority list with, with everything else, you know, that we had going. And um, I'll tell you, it was, it was incredible how quickly, um, you know, the company started to feel disjointed. Um, you, you could really feel kind of an energy shift um, during that period and, and, uh, which was a terrible feeling. And even worse, I, I felt like there wasn't really anything I could do to recorrect it at that time because of, you know, all of the different, you know, things that we had going. So, was um, there any one thing that happened and certainly don't need to expose anybody confidentially, but was there sure. any one thing that happened or a series of things that kind of woke you up to what was going on? Yeah, I think, you know, again, having, having a business that, is sort of spread across two or three different channels, right? I mean, we've, we've got operations, we've got a retail operation, we've got digital marketing that sits in the middle, um, you know, a customer service team. I mean, there, there, were, there were just so many different kind of, um, you know, individual teams um, working on what they were working on, and there, we, we just were lacking that connectivity as, as, a, as a company. Um, and, you know, there were, there were a handful of folks, and I'm really grateful for them, for doing so that that came forward and and we're like look you know there there's just something about the way that the the energy in this office now that is that is you know compromising our ability to be efficient and and to be productive and um so you know yeah it was it was it was it was a challenging i don't know it was probably four or five months um that we that we were kind of going through this this kind of mini crisis and um 
fortunately, um, I, w- I was connected to and have become a really good friend of a guy that runs a, um, a really cool company called Culture Quotient. Um, these, these guys work um, with, with companies of all sizes. They're actually located up the, up the road from us in L.A., um, but run with work with companies of all sizes to, to kind of help guide and establish and nurture company culture. And, and the second that, um, you know, we started to experience this, I, I reached out to him with some of the concerns that we had. And, um, you know, he, he, he said this is right up our alley. So we decided to, to kind of make the commitment to him and, and of time and capital um, to commit to their process. And, and I'll tell you what, it's it's been one of this, if not the most impactful, you know, business decision I've made to date. Um, they, they implemented a, a, a really kind of thoughtful and inclusive process that helped us better understand kind of where the gaps in our culture existed, um, and, and helped us to, to quickly learn how to how to fill those gaps and and uh, and improve uh, as a company from from that perspective it's so great that you had built a relationship with your team to where they did feel like they could come forward and that it would result in something um we uh i've discussed before in the podcast we had um, a survey that we did just to kind of get a a finger on the pulse of of people's feelings about the company and it really revealed um things were not not as they seemed all was not peaceful on the home front Um, and it took us about uh, it took us about six months to really write the ship. And then, it, you know, over time things got better and better. And, and some people who didn't really fit as a part of our culture ended up kind of migrating out. And that's a part of, that's a part of it. It doesn't mean that they're not good people and it doesn't mean that they can't be really successful. It's just, it's not the right fit for us and who we are once we're really intentional about that. And I've heard again and again, um, you can define your culture or you can choose not to define your culture, but you're always mm-hmm. choosing then how you define your culture. Cause choosing not to is, is in and of itself a choice. And it says True. a lot about what you want to do. Um, and, and it's been, um, <laughs> it was a very significant learning process. And in the, yep. in the end, uh, in the end, meaning over the last kind of 12 to 24 months, I feel like we're in just such a great spot. And now it's so much, we've had to be really intentional about how we interview and how we onboard and a lot of those things that make sure that we are able to be as consistently and continually intentional about our culture and who we bring in. And some people may not be a a perfect fit, but then they will either adapt to who we are or sometimes not. And, and knowing that and feeling confident in that has, I think given our team so much more comfort and confidence as we move forward too. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you. And, and again, I, it's, it just becomes one of those things as you're running a company that you just assume is in a good place and you're, you're keeping your head down and doing what you need to do kind of as, you know, as a CEO or a leader. Um, but, but you, you tend to not see the forest amongst the trees. Um, once, once you get into that, into that spot and, and yeah, I agree with you. I was, I was really fortunate to have team members that, that cared enough to bring some of these concerns forward. And, and that's one thing that I, I tell everybody, like this, my office door is always open. So I don't care what it is that you have a problem with. I want you to bring it to me. And um, yeah, we're, 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 I'm super fortunate that, that, you know, we had some folks that did that and, and that we went through this process and, you know, to your point, it, 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 it provides kind of that North star, right. For everything that you deserve, that you do as, as a company. And that, you know, that works across hiring, you know, marketing, business decisions, anything that you've got going, all, all sort of guided by, you know, that foundation, that, that, that culture and foundation that you create. Absolutely. So in those early days of, uh, it's still kind of early days, but in the very early days of Kopari, how long did you and your wife go? Um, did, did you both join the company right out of the gate or did she join a little bit later kind of officially? I know you started the company together, but and then mm-hmm. how long until you guys started paying yourself, you know, quote unquote, normally, um, sure. Sure there, as a founder, you could always quote unquote, uh, make more money, uh, or the right amount of money elsewhere. But, uh, right. uh how long was it until things are, were at least somewhat normalized? Uh, yeah, I mean, I would say she didn't come on until a little bit later. Um, she sort of helped me through the process of balancing both both my day job and and getting Kapari off the ground and and because she'd been around obviously while while I was running 
my family's business. She was really familiar with it and was able to kind of help on both sides. But um, I, I did not start to take a salary from Kapari for it was about it was a year, year and a half. Um, you know, again, I, I, because I made you know a completely irrational decision to, to start a new business in my early 40s um, with a wife, three kids, a mortgage, etc. Um, you know, I, I had to stay wholly committed to to my day job and the income there um, while developing the brand. So, you know, it, it was just about hustle and and long long hours um and i was working 70 80 hour weeks for for the better part of two years um while maintaining both companies and um you know again there, there, there's no way it would have been possible if i didn't have you know an amazing wife that that um you know is a hustler in her own right and, and wanted me to see this thing through and really believed in what we were doing and um she, she was able to kind of help again step in and help on the uh, on, on both sides of the business, so that I could justify taking the, my existing salary out of my my day job and um, and and continue to get party off the ground. I, I you know it it took um, you know again it took a year and a half, maybe maybe two years to get the brand off the ground, and and then um, you know once we started to see. Uh, some some revenue and some growth come in and 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 had the opportunity to go out and, and raise a few dollars out of the gates. Um, I, I was able to uh, to start to draw a little bit of a salary. So in that difficult journey, you um, obviously had some inspiration from your family to get going um, and and some of the uh, the background. But who most inspired you to stick to it? And in those early days when. You're experiencing that rapid growth, but certainly not experiencing um, all the benefits that come from being a founder. Um, it could be somebody famous. It could be somebody you know, uh, but would love to hear, um, and, and there could be a few of them, would love to hear who's made sure. an impact on you in your journey of being a founder. Uh, yeah, I mean, I would say, you know, most impactfully, undoubtedly, my, my, my dad has, has been my, my biggest inspiration. Um, I think personally and professionally, you know, on, on the, on the professional side, he, um, you know, the guy's got such an amazing mind for business and, and instilled, you know, work ethic and, and street smarts and in, into myself. And I've got two brothers who actually were two younger brothers that uh, are in the business as well. And, um, you know, and just, just, instilled that in us from a very early age and, um, and, and worked his tail off, worked six days a week, you know, running and growing that business while, you know, continuing to be a, a fantastic dad and kind of one of those all in kind of fam family guys, whether it be coaching sports or family vacations, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and, and is now a fantastic grandfather to, to my kids and, and my brother's kids. And um, so, yeah, un undoubtedly the guy, the guy is, is just, he's, he's such an inspiration to me, continues to be, he's, he's now in his early seventies and still insists on, you know, going into the office three, four days a week. And, um, you know, he's, he's, you know, he, he taught me a lot about how to run a business, taught me a lot about, you know, how to hustle. I think most importantly, um, the guy just knows how to treat people. Yep. Um, very charismatic, very upbeat and optimistic guy, regardless of whether times are times are good or times are bad. And I, I just, I just really admire him for his, his outlook on life and, and, uh, his balance of, of work and family. That's extraordinary. So, um, how do you stay sane? You've got, uh, how many kids do you have? I've got three kids, three kids, business, <laughs> work with your wife. Um, yep. fast growing business, lots of stuff going on. What do you do to stay sane? Uh, uh you know, a handful of things I would say. I, I, um, I'm, I'm, a, I'm pretty routine. I, I, I really enjoy, um, my mornings, uh, first and foremost, I'm, I'm, I'm an early riser. I'm up at, you know, in most days, you know, five, five thirty in the morning and enjoy that, that time to just kind of you know, prepare for the day, read, read a little bit, get up to speed on, you know, current events or, or business related articles, whatever the case may be. Um, I'm an avid, um, surfer. And so if, if I have the opportunity, I, I try and get in the water two or three days or two or three mornings a week. Um, if not, I'm, I'm definitely either running or at the gym. I, I cannot function without exercise. Um, 
So that's super helpful. Um, you know, I, I, I think another thing just as of, you know, just recently that, that I've started to get better at is, is um, you know, when the weekends hit, just, just allowing myself to completely unplug and, um, and embracing the weekends and, and mellowing out and, and kind of taking time away from, you know, my mind just running and, and mm -hmm. constantly thinking about, uh, about the business that I'm running. And, um, so, you know, those things have been super helpful. And then again, you know, my, my, my kids who ironically drive me insane a lot of the time, um, <laughs> I'll say, you know, it's, it's interesting regardless of how, how crazy stressful or, or painful a day in the office may be. Um, and as you can attest, Kevin, I mean, this, the startup life is, is an absolute roller coaster, but, you know, knowing that I'll finish my day, you know, or night for that matter, um, with my kids and with my wife somehow kind of makes it all less, less dramatic and, and less stressful. That is a perfect answer. When you travel, um, are you able to still get in the workouts that you want to, uh, in the mornings that you want to, or do you just kind of ebb and flow? I ebb and flow for sure. But, um, depending on where I am, like if I'm in, you know, I've been in New York quite a bit, um, this year, I love running, you know, through the streets of New York. Um, uh, you know, you know, and again, if there's, if I'm somewhere else and there's a gym in the hotel, whatever the case may be, I, I try and get in there and do it, but it just depends on what my agenda is while I'm there. Yeah. That's the, I feel like I get in a really good routine and then I go on a crazy, crazy trip in two or three cities and I'm just, I'm all over the place. What do you, what do you do to stay in shape? Um, when I first started doing CrossFit, I was looking at some of these workouts that were seven minutes long and thinking, are you kidding me? That's not even a workout. And two minutes in or two and a half minutes in, I would, I couldn't even believe that I wasn't halfway done. And these people next to me that I thought I was in better shape were just smoking me. So, um, there's, <laughs> it's very humbling. And, um, you know, as you and I have discussed in the past, it's, uh, it's a little bit like surfing where it looks so easy and, oh man, you just stand up and, um, it is anything but, and can humble even the greatest of athletes. No, it's you're 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 spot on with that. It's um, it's it it is interesting. People people think oh you're just out there paddling around in the water, but it's not until you get in that that you realize um, you know what an incredible aerobic workout it is. And and um, you know I've done surf trips in the past and tried to kind of train to get ready for these trips, and and there's nothing you can really do other than get in the water and, and paddle because there's there's no other kind of aerobic workout. And I, I do a little bit of yoga and some different things. There, there's just nothing that really prepares you for, you know, long hours in, in the water. And, um, you know, especially when the surf, when the surf starts to pick up and not only are you having to paddle, but you're having to duck dive under waves and being held under. I mean, it's, it's, it's quite an experience, but, um, but I'll tell you there, there is nothing like it in the world. There's nothing that centers me more than, uh, than, than surfing. And, and I'm, I'm actually super fortunate now. I've got two teenage sons that, um, have the bug as well. And, and they kind of force me to get in the water now because they've, they've, they're completely obsessed with, uh, with the sport. So that's, that's an amazing experience as well. And that's really special. Um, so I, that I think probably flows nicely into this next one is if everything would be okay while you were gone. Uh, business is humming, even though you and your wife work together, let's just assume all is good. What would you do for a month away from it all? Uh, yeah, that's, that is a perfect segue. I, I would, uh, there would definitely be a, a surf trip, um, involved there. I, I, the two places that I'm, that I'm dying to go, uh, surf is, is our Indonesia and, uh, and the Maldives, both, both, um, you know, I've heard from, from friends and, and, you know, reading and I mean, just following some of these guys on, on Instagram, the, the, some of the surf breaks there are, are world-class and, um, you know, the landscape is obviously beautiful. Um, so yeah, there would definitely be a, a surf trip in the mix. Um, you know, I, I, I would, I would definitely have to take my wife away for a month and, and she, one of her bucket list trips is, is, um, an African safari. I'm not sure if you've seen some of the kind of luxury safari lodges, um, pretty extraordinary throughout Africa, but they, they are extraordinary. We've got some friends that have, that have, uh, stayed and, uh, there, that's just one of those, you know, tr trip of a lifetime experiences. So, um, yeah, I think, I think that would be, uh, that would be the program. 
That sounds wonderful. Um, how has starting a business uh, affected your personal life? What would you say the biggest sacrifice has been along the way? Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, you know, time away, time away from from my kids. Um, you know, I would say both both physically, uh, obviously with all the hours in the office and and, and traveling, and um, oftentimes mentally as well. Um, you know, depending on, on what's going on with the business, even when I'm, you know, with friends and family, I'm not always a hundred percent present. Um, you know, again, depending on, on what's going on at work and, and not to mention, you know, the fact that I do have my wife in the business with me and, and, um, you know, we, we really work hard, uh, to try not to bring work home with us and not to talk about it while we're at home with the kids, um, you know, we, we actually kind of suck at that too. <laughs> we, we, our kids call us out on it all the time yep. and we're like, no, 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 we're just having a productive conversation. This is not a stressful conversation, but regardless, it's, it's still something that, that we continue to have to work at. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I, I think for sure, you know, th- that time with them, um, uh, has, has been a sacrifice. And, you know, I mean, I guess on the other side of that coin, I'll, I'll say that, you know, we, because we started this business a, a little bit later, um, I, I was around more. I mean, my kids are 16, 14 and, and nine. So I, I was definitely more involved during those kind of earlier, um, formative years, um, um, with them, which, which I'm super grateful for. And, um, and, you know, back then was able to coach. I mean, that's one thing I really do miss is, is I, I, I coached both of my boys, uh, baseball and football teams and, um, you know, really, really enjoyed doing that. And, and that became impossible to keep up once we started this business. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, those, those were the biggest sacrifices, I think. And, you know, at the, at the same time, I, I think it's been great for at least my, my older two boys um, as teenagers to um, for them to kind of see us building this business together, yeah. my wife and I, uh, you know, I, I think it's been super educational for them. It's been inspiring. Actually, my, my son and a couple of his buddies approached me recently um, asking about how to build a business plan. They had like this crazy idea for like an underwear brand or something that they wanted to get off the ground and, and uh, came to me about like, hey, how, how do we build a business plan and, and get this going? And um, so I, I wouldn't recommend investing in, in this concept that they have, but uh, I definitely love to, to see the entrepreneurial spirit that, uh, that, that I think the process that we've gone through is instilled in them. That's really special. And that's a great perspective to have on the balance of the sacrifice that you make for your family and, and the benefits that they receive as well. Um, when you think about the moment that Kopari really started to accelerate, you, you mentioned those early days and, and things took off a little bit sooner than you expected. But since then, you've also really seen some some massive uplift. And um, you and I were, were talking a few weeks ago, your introduction of some this new product line has made a huge impact that you hadn't really anticipated. It, is there a moment in between those that you feel like things really started to take off? Or do you see this moment with the introduction of the coconut-based deodorant as this like uh, tipping point or step change for your business? Uh, you know, I, I think the original tipping point was, uh, you know, obviously we had started to build a, a pretty meaningful um, business online. And, uh, you know, one, one thing we hadn't anticipated at all was that some of these major national retailers um, would reach out to us. I mean, it was, it was surreal. We had, we had a two or three week um, period where, you know, we heard from everybody from Sephora to, to Nordstrom, even Target. I went out to Minneapolis and met with Target early days. And, um, you know, these were guys that like in a dream scenario, we would figure four or five years down the road, we might be knocking on their door and begging for shelf space. Uh-huh. Um, but uh, I, I think just because of everything that we put into the brand and everything we put into kind of getting it out there digitally, they, you know, they recognized us as a brand that, that had some real potential and, um, you know, we, we were not uh, built uh, or, or ready at all for that kind of expansion. Yep. And, um, you know, that was about the same time that we, we started to look for, you know, a meaningful investment from, you know, either private entities or, or institutional. And um, 
you know, we're fortunate enough to partner up with with the folks at El Catterton who who have been fantastic. You know, I mean, I think that was that was sort of tipping point number one, and then. You know the, the 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 recent example around this this new category that we've launched into, um, and you know, and again, like mo- most beauty brands, kind of stay linear. They're either like a skincare brand or a hair care brand. I think right. we're doing something a little bit different, and and I think you know the brand and the fact that we're you know um, the direct consumer or at least a meaningful part of our businesses gives us the ability to sort of expand across category and and. Um, so we tested this this personal care category with a with an aluminum free natural deodorant this year, and it's been uh, it's it's just been a runaway hit. It took six or seven months. It became our number one selling SKU, and and it's interesting because it's more of a replenishable product, and and um, there's actually a subscription opportunity around this category, and uh, so yeah, that's that's been really exciting and something that we've spent a lot of time kind of leaning into over the last you know eight to twelve months. How much of that? Um how much of that was your internal culture pushing for great new products all the time versus an opportunistic product that you said, let's go do this? Uh, that's, that's an interesting question. You know, I, I, I definitely owe a lot of the inspiration around these, the, the, this product category to, um, I, I don't know whether I mentioned Kiana Cabell, who is, who is our fellow co-founder um, that we brought in early days. She, she, she really is, you know, deserves all the credit for a lot of the aesthetic and, and a lot of the brand or product development that we've, that we've worked on. And, um, so she and, and kind of the team that we've built around, um, that, that NPD team, you know, deserve a ton of credit for a saying, Hey, let's, let's roll the dice and, and pivot into this, into this space. And then, you know, creating a formula and a product that once, once we, you know, received it and started to use it, felt really confident about, um, you know, about placing a bet on. It's pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah, it was, really it was awesome. tremendous. And, and really literally Kevin came out of nowhere. I mean, if, if you'd have told me when we started this thing, you know, three, three years ago that, that, uh, you know, I'd end up in, you know, the deodorant business, I, I would have told you you were crazy, but, sure. um, you know, we just, it just happened to be a really frothy kind of category. And, uh, we, we, we were really fortunate to, to, to hit the market with a product that, uh, you know, has just been a game changer. That's, that's extraordinary. Taking a swing like that on a new product is always, um, such a, such a risk, especially when it, it's not a dramatic departure. It's not like you started, you know, making carburetors, uh, but (laughs) to, to stray in that capacity while still being true to who you are and see the success, that's really exciting. So, um, it really was, where do you see your business in 10 years? Uh, you know, it's, it's interesting. I haven't, I, I haven't spent a lot of time considering that question, but, but, um, you know, I, I, I truly believe, uh, especially again, because of some of the success we've seen cross category within the space that Kapari has the potential to be, you know, one of the next great beauty brands. And, um, and, and I, I think it will eventually become, you know, a, a household name in the space. Um, uh, you know, just exponential opportunity around the brand. And, and, um, you know, if I were still running this company in 10 years, I'd, I'd be thrilled to be doing so. I'd, I'd hope to be doing so with, with less hours worked and, and a few less sleepless nights, but, uh, <laughs> but, but nonetheless, yeah, wouldn't that be nice? Uh, but, but nonetheless, I mean, I, I'm, I'm just having such a, you know, it's been such an incredible journey. Uh, I'm really enjoying it. I'm, I'm super proud of the team that we built and, and, and the, and the company that we built. So, you know, there, there's no doubt this company will still be thriving in 10 years and, and, um, you know, at, at what capacity I'll be involved in it will, will, uh, remain to be seen. But, um, but regardless, um, you know, I, I think this thing's going to be around for, for quite some time. That's spectacular. If you could go back to the beginning of this journey and tell yourself one thing, what would it be? Yeah. Uh, if if I had to pick one, I I think I would tell myself to, um, you know, to spend a little less time worrying and, and, and a little more time thinking creatively or or strategically. Um, you know, it's kind of been my nature to be a little bit of a worrier and, and, uh, you know, went from running a, a pretty stable, profitable business to, uh, a, a very volatile startup. Um, 
So definitely, you know, spent or, and, you know, looking back, wasted a lot of time worrying and, and um, you know, probably could have been way more productive spending that time thinking, um, again, more, more creatively or strategically uh, about the business. And, um, and also at the same time, spending more time, you know, appreciating what we've accomplished um, along the way, you know, um, it's, it's interesting. I, I, I have a good friend that um, I, I saw uh, two, three weeks ago, and it was right after we'd, we'd celebrated our, our third anniversary uh, since launch. And, um, you know, he, he made a comment. He was like, dude, you should really kind of step back and, and take a victory lap. And, you know, I immediately followed up with like, well, we still have, you know, so much work to do and, and it continues to be super challenging and we, we've got a lot of wood to chop. And he stopped <laughs> me. He was, he, he was like, dude, shut up, take a step back and, and seriously take, take, take a, a victory lap. And, um, you know, again, that's, that's one of the things I've, I've, I've struggled, um, with a little bit is, is, is living in the moment and, and appreciating, you know, what we've built and, and really enjoying the process. Um, because again, I, I tend to be so focused on, on, you know, what we need to do better versus what we've done. Right. All right. So set a calendar reminder for three years from today. And remember, this is what you told yourself three years ago <laughs> today, right? So I love that. Sit, yep. sit back and enjoy the ride. And I'm going to try and internalize that a little bit more, hopefully at least today. Maybe I'll forget it tomorrow, but at least today. No, I think it's really important. I think it is. I think that flows into this next one. Um, sometimes it's the same. Sometimes it's not. You, what, what's your single biggest regret in, in building Kupari? Uh, that I didn't decide to get into bringing advanced performance fabrics to traditional menswear as opposed to selling <laughs> coconut oil. <laughs> that was the only thing in these questions that I teed up, but uh, <laughs> kidding. Uh, I, I, you know, I think, I think my biggest regret through this process, um, you know, was, was that I wasn't able to do, uh, and we didn't really get into this, but, but wasn't able to do a better job transitioning um, away from my family's business and into running uh, Kapari, I, I, you know, once, once this thing started to roll and, and it came so fast and furious that, um, you know, I was kind of forced to pivot quickly and, and didn't really have, um, you know, an ample opportunity to communicate and then smoothly transition, um, out of, you know, not just my, my career of, of 13, 14 years, but, but my career helping run my family's business, which, you know, that was, that was a difficult period and, and definitely caused some, you know, some friction and, and some stress between, uh, between my, my family and I, and, and it was a really challenging time. I'd say one of the most challenging times of my life for sure. Um, fortunately since then we've, we've worked through all of it and are, and are in a really good place. Um, but, uh, but yeah, definitely regret not uh, handling that situation a little bit better. It's interesting. It's such a unique perspective. Most of the people I've spoken with so far, it was such a pivot from whatever business they were doing before, including a hundred percent, uh, lack of experience in the industry. So the transition was, right. you know, quite stark, whereas, uh, that's a, that's a very unique, unique transition. Um, so yeah, it was interesting when you think about, uh, this journey, what brings you the most joy every day as a founder of Kopari? Uh, you know, there, there are, you know, numerous things. I would say, you know, if, if I'm thinking about things outside of, of the business, um, you know, I think first is, is I'm lucky to be able to, um, you know, again, a reference back to surfing here a little bit, but, but, um, I'm able to wake up and, and see the, see the ocean every morning, which, um, you know, uh, I'm able to do at least when I'm not traveling and, and there's just something about, um, about it that, that keeps me centered. And, and, um, there's just something that's, that's really impactful about it for me and, and, and something I never take for granted. Um, so that's one, it just kind of level sets me every day. And, and, um, you know, I, I think another one, and this is, this is kind of a layup, but, um, you know, again, is, is, is spending time with, uh, with, with my wife and kids. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm just so proud of the, the, the people that uh, my kids have become and, and both my wife and I just really, enjoy hanging out with them and spending time with them. It's wonderful. What about your most embarrassing professional moment? Uh, there's been many sadly, but, yes. um, you know, <laughs> which, which I'm sure you can attest to. Yes. Uh, I, you know, I, I, I think, 
th there was one in particular that that was that was embarrassing on a few different levels. Um, you know, when we were when we decided to to expand into retail and and we're talking to we were talking to I won't mention any names because we're working with both of them now. But um, at the time we were in negotiations negotiations with um, you know kind of the top national retailer in the beauty space and. Um, during that period, while we were kind of working with them and, and close to the finish line with them, I, I received an email from from another one, one of their direct competitors. Um, and I remember it was first thing in the morning. I think it was at the gym. It was like 6.30 in the morning. And, and I see this email come through with with a request for a meeting and interest in the brand. And, you know, I, I didn't even think. I was like in between, you know, sets or whatever the case may be. And I, I forwarded the email to everybody that was on my team at that point. I think we had eight or nine, nine people on board and, um, you know, sent them this really kind of like out of character, cocky email, like, like, you know, Hey, you know, this is great, but you know, we're going to go with the big boys or something stupid like that. Sent it to all of them, but also realize I sent it. And then immediately got a call from my business partner, letting me know that that the gal from the other company was was on that thread. Oh no! Yeah. Oh no! So yeah, yeah. Oh, and we've all man. done those. That yep. one, that one yep. was painful. And and not only did it make me look like an idiot, you know, to her obviously, but but also to, you know, the rest of my team that I included on the thread. <laughs> so I, I, there there was there was some serious damage control uh, required on, on that one. Do you remember that commercial from a few years ago? It was a Super Bowl commercial, I believe. And um, it showed uh, a guy emailing his colleagues something about like <laughs> Rachel or Tom and how, how they didn't know what they were doing. And then he drives all over town and grabs everybody's computers because he'd emailed it to them. And it's about like, I think it was Bridgestone, how, how great Bridgestone tires are. And he gets around town. It was Bridgestone. And I do remember that it was so, hysterical. Do you know that's based on a true story? Come on. Is it really? Yeah. So my wife used to work for the Richards group and it's about a partner at the Richards group. And basically I, I'm pretty sure it was in prep to pitch Bridgestone for that Super Bowl commercial. And he emailed, they basically were broken out into different teams and everyone's going to come back with original ideas. And he emailed his individual team and was like, don't worry, like Stacy's team doesn't know what they're doing. And everyone knows <laughs> Tim really can't hit the big ones. And, and it basically just tore everybody apart and not in a totally joking fashion. Um, but in a somewhat to the point and then realized, oh my God, I sent that to everyone. Ugh. And so it actually sparked the idea for someone driving around town, um, trying to grab everyone's computers, which <laughs> is even better. And, and by the way, that was his idea, his team's idea. So they won the commercial. So, um, oh, is that right? Yeah. That I is love too it. Much. I mean, I think, I think we've all done it. I think some were uh, more disastrous than others, but, uh, yeah, I, I remember that ad. It was hysterical. <laughs> um, so, uh, let's get ready to close out here. Um, do you expect to be doing Kapari for your whole life? You touched on it a little bit earlier, but what, what's your expectation? Uh, yeah, you know, as I, as I mentioned earlier, if, if that were to be the case, um, I, I, I would be, uh, I would be super content. I'd take you up on it in, in a heartbeat. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, I think just in general, I, I love being an entrepreneur. I, I, I love kind of idea storming and, and just coming up with new concepts and, and ideas. And, and, you know, I, I, I love running this business. Um, but, but again, you know, we'll, we'll see where that goes. You know, if, if, if I were to hang it up or, or, or pivot out of this, um, you know, there's, there's some other things I wouldn't mind doing. I, I, for, I've always loved um, food and, and cooking and, um, you know, have, have told my wife on numerous occasions, you know, if, if, if we ever, you know, left this business or whatever, you know, who knows where it goes. Um, I, I, I would love to go. Um, I would love to go to culinary school. I, I, I don't know that I would ever actually do anything with it, but uh, just just being able to get better at cooking. We love to cook. We love to entertain. Um, I, I, I think cool. would be a lot of fun. Yeah, it would be fun. I've, I've actually got a buddy who he's actually an ex NFLer who um, retired, and uh, he actually retired in San Diego, 
And he, he, he did the same thing. And I, I remember talking to him about it. I'm like, wait, you, you just spent 14 years in the NFL and now you're going to culinary school. And he did it and loved it. And same deal. He's, he has people over at the house and is, is cooking uh, regularly. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. What a transition. Um, right. And I assume when you cook, you'll use plenty of coconut oil. Of course. There you go. Of course. That was, an, <laughs> that was a layup. <laughs> um, how do you want to be remembered? Uh, I, I think first, first and foremost, um, you know, I, I want to be remembered as, as a dedicated um, family man, you know, husband and, and, and dad, um, you know, a, a good and, and dependable friend um, what is important to me as well. Uh, I, I think on the career side, uh, I, you know, I'd like to be remembered as, as a guy that, that certainly wasn't afraid to roll up his sleeves and, and, and worked hard. And, um, and I think most importantly, knew how to uh, treat people fairly and, and uh, respectfully. That's great. So um, you mentioned Sephora and Ulta earlier. Where can people get their Kapari products? Yeah, for, first and foremost, uh, kaparibeauty.com. Uh, we've got the full assortment there. We have a handful of products. Of, we've got varying assortments in, in all Sephora doors in the U.S., Canada, Southeast Asia, and Australia. And uh, we're in all Ulta doors um, in, uh, in the U.S. And, uh, and then, as mentioned, we're in a handful of uh, Nordstrom stores as well. And... Uh your what's your instagram handle uh kapari beauty kapari beauty are you on instagram personally i am not very active it, right. it would not it, yeah there wouldn't be much to see there but it is at bryce goldman excellent um and i can't believe i forgot to ask this early on usually i'm pretty good about it where did you get the name kapari great question we get that one a lot so we uh it was it was one of the harder decisions we had to make early days is, is just trying to figure out what the name was going to be um and i want to ask you about yours too because i always been have always been curious about that but um so we looked at at you know hundreds of different name concepts one, one thing we wanted to make sure and not do is is really pigeonhole ourselves into um you know a coconut themed name and uh but still wanted that that um you know, wanted it in there somewhere. So, so the first known term for the extraction of coconut meat and oil from the coconut is an Indian word. Um, and that, that word is kapara ends with an A. So we, we discovered that word and, and just kind of put a spin on it, added, added, uh, the I to the end of it. Cause we just thought it sounded a little bit more interesting, oh, interesting. and exotic. And, um, yeah, that's the background on it. Never, never would have guessed right? that. Yeah. Mizzen and Maine, their sales on a sailboat. And, um, it's, oh, cool. we didn't want it to be something super sport or futuristic sounding because we wanted it to be classic brand. And so, um, even though most people don't know what the Mizzen and Main sales are, um, they're masks on a sailboat. They, the reality is it sounds kind of, it sounds like it has heritage, even if you have no idea, yeah. even if you're not familiar with that kind of classic totally. East coast lifestyle, it just sounds like it has heritage. So, yeah. um, that is, that is the name. So now I love that, it. I love it. And I love your brand. I really thank do. you. It's thank you. Thank you. Um, and, and, uh, we did, uh, we sent some product to each other last holiday season for our team members. And, um, you have converted our entire office into Kapari fanatics here as well. Um, so doing something right. I uh, never get sick of hearing stuff like that. And we're, 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 we're due to do that again. So let's, yep. uh, let's, let's get that going. You got it, man. Well, now that we've knocked out all the serious questions, we got a few minutes left. Um, rapid fire, fast and furious. The first answer that comes to mind, however you want to interpret it. First one's easy. How many hours of sleep do you typically get a night? Uh, I average seven. Nice. Uh, what would you use the gene editing technology CRISPR for to edit your own genes with the caveat that it still has to be based in reality? You can't m make yourself fly. Hmm. That is a tough one. Um, again, I'm going to go back to surfing and, um, edit my genes so that I could breathe underwater for extended periods of time. <laughs> I'm not sure that'll work, but I like it. Um, what is your favorite fiction and nonfiction book? Uh, fiction is, uh, I've, I've read it a couple times, the alchemist, um, by, uh, 
is it Paolo uh, Colo, I believe is his name, is, is definitely my favorite fiction. Good pronunciation. And, did you like that? Mm-hmm. Uh, nonfiction, you know, I love reading uh, Seth Godin, and um, I, I hadn't read Lynchpin and read that recently, and uh, I really enjoyed that book. Good choices. Um, what is your daily music playlist theme? Broad, extremely broad. Um, you know, I, my, my parents, you know, raised me on music. They, I, I listened to a lot of, uh, uh, Led Zeppelin, Crosby, Stills and Nash, a lot, a lot of sixties and seventies era bands and, and still love those guys. Um, my, my kids have gotten me into, into a little bit of hip hop and rap too. I love, um, Post Malone. I, I, I love listening to, um, you know, a handful of those guys as well. So I, I think there'd be a little bit of hip hop and a little bit of sixties and seventies. That is fairly broad. Um, what is your wake up and wind down drink of choice? Um, I'm definitely a coffee guy. I do two cups in in the morning and, uh, wind down is, um, you know, if, if we're just hanging out during a a weeknight, uh, again, I love, love wine. If I'm not drinking wine, I'm drinking, uh, Reposado tequila for sure. Good choices. I think we enjoyed a tequila together while you were out here. We did. We did. That was, uh, that was an awesome trip. Look forward to that. Look forward to that. Hopefully again, maybe we can make that a twice a year event. Um, Let's do it. What is your biggest pet peeve? Uh, biggest pet peeve is, um, is our naysayers. Um, you know, I, I, I love, especially, you know, around the business, um, spending, spending time, just idea storming and brainstorming and, and try and, um, create an environment where, you know, anybody, anybody and everybody feels, feels comfortable sharing anything and everything. And, um, I, I definitely have a problem with people that, that love to poke holes in, in other, other people's ideas. Solid. And favorite podcast other than this one, I'll let you off the hook and you don't have to say this one. <laughs> I, I do love this podcast. I'm a big fan. Uh, I'm, I'm a Tim Ferriss guy for sure. I, I, I love his podcast. I think he, he, his, his was the one that, that kind of got me into, to being an avid podcast listener. And, um, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty loyal to, uh, to Tim. What percentage of your monthly household, uh, do you think uh, monthly household budget do you think you spend on Amazon? Gosh, um, 30, 35 percent. I mean, that's where we go for every. I mean, if it's if if it's not, um, you know, groceries, it's Amazon. Yep. And we we now even do our groceries on Amazon. Do Um, you really? Yeah. Amazon Fresh is amazing. Uh, Only go to the grocery store like once a month. Um, That's that's something we need. We we need to adopt for sure. It's just so, so, so efficient. You can't not do it. Yep. Um, What TV show could you watch over and over again? Uh, Game of Thrones undoubtedly is, is, is my favorite of all time. Have you watched Um, Westworld? I, you know what? I was just with a high school buddy who came into town and we went and grabbed dinner and he, uh, he, he has been watching obsessively and, and highly recommended it. It sounds like it sounds super fascinating. It's so good. If you liked Game of Thrones, you will love it. Highly recommend it. Yeah, I, I, I've got to check it out. There, I mean, Game of Thrones is just on such such a different level. I I, I just love love that series, and, and and the books are amazing too. Uh, what is your favorite article of clothing? Uh, I, I I would say my I'm I, I'm a tennis shoe guy, mm-hmm. so I'm gonna go I'm gonna go with tennis shoes. Good choice. Do you have a favorite brand or pair? Uh, I've, I, I, lo- I've started to, um, I buy some of the jammies, um, sneakers. I have got a pair of Kohan sneakers that, um, that, that I've been like on rotation on for the better part of four or five years now. I just keep buying the same ones over and over again and love those too. Um, let's see cardio. Do you love it or hate it? I love it. Good. I disagree, but that's okay. <laughs> Would you rather fight off 100 duck-sized horses or one horse-sized duck? Wow. I didn't I, I hadn't heard this one in your prior podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Give me that one again. 
Would you rather fight off 100 duck-sized horses or one horse-sized duck? And, and I assume there's going to be an and why at the end of that. No, just whatever, uh, you, whatever you prefer. I, I, I would take on the, the, the one horse-sized duck. One horse-sized I, duck. I, I'd just rather go head-to-head versus taking on 100 of them. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. What's your favorite destination to travel to? Hawaii, undoubtedly. I've, I've been there, uh, I don't know, maybe maybe 10 or 12 times. Yep. And uh, there, there's, there's always new places to, uh, to explore in Hawaii. It's, it's, it's a fantastic place. And last but not least, what's the best gift you've ever received? My, uh, my wife gave me uh, the, the, the day of our wedding. A, um, and, and, you know, I've never really been much of a watch guy. But uh, she gave me a vintage, uh, I think it was a 1954 like, Rolex watch um, that, uh, that I, I covet and, and, and uh, is undoubtedly uh, the best gift that I've received. It's pretty special. Bryce, thanks so much really for the time. Good to, uh, good to talk in this format and look forward to seeing you again soon. Thank you, Kevin. This was great. Appreciate it. Hey everyone, thanks for listening. You can find me on Twitter at Kevin S. Lavelle, and you can also go to founders15.com for show notes and other episodes. Thank you. Thank you.